48K News. It's two o'clock. I'm Steve Dunthorne. Hotel operators have been urged to take measures to improve business instead of forcing staff to get vaccinated against COVID-19. This comes after the Peninsula Hotel in Chimsha Choi warned of possible layoffs if 70% of staff aren't vaccinated by the end of the month. Alex Choi from the Hotel Employees Union also condemned tactics from other hotels, such as requiring new recruits to be inoculated. He suggested hotels use other methods, such as opening so-called Zone C and D sections in restaurants, which can stay open longer for vaccinated staff and customers. So most of the hotel just need to open the Zone C or Zone D in order to enhance their business. Some of the employees might be willing to vaccinate. I know some of the hotel ask those who already vaccinate to do the food and beverage job for the Zone C and Zone D which is just a substitution within different departments. It is a solution for forcing employees to have vaccination. The Peninsula told RTHK that it was seeking to encourage vaccination rather than forcing staff to get inoculated. A patient's rights activist says businesses should help pay for poorer people to check whether they're healthy enough for a COVID-19 vaccination. Alex Lam, chairman of Hong Kong Patients Voices, expressed concern that grassroots people who aren't fit for a jab might get one because they want to enter various lotteries offered for vaccinated people. He said they may not be able to afford to see a private doctor if they're concerned about side effects and may have to queue a long time to access public health care. Hong Kong Airlines says it will operate just eight aircraft, focusing on cargo for at least the next year, as it confirms a major restructure that will see an undisclosed number of redundancies. Its A320 jets will be grounded from next month, and some staff will be offered six months of leave, for which they'll receive a month's pay, or nine months off for two months of salary. The airline says it's in critical survival mode. Analyst Brendan Sobey of Sobey Aviation says the number of job losses may depend on how many staff go and leave. I think the eight aircraft is, you know, realistic. The reality is, is that there's no passenger demand from Hong Kong still. And the reality is, is that Hong Kong Airlines has struggled financially since before the pandemic as part of H&A Group, which is, has, is really struggling financially and does not have the government support like CAFE does. So it doesn't have the money and the, and the support that CAFE does. So the only realistic thing to do is to, to shrink down to a very bare minimum and to focus on cargo, which is what you can do with these 8A330s. Customs officers say they've seized goods worth $120 million in what they say is the biggest ever bust of a speedboat smuggling operation. Goods, including luxury bags and parts from endangered animals, were being loaded onto a boat near Laofaxian last week when customs took action. Four people have been arrested. Mark Wu, the head of the Syndicate Crimes Investigation Bureau, said the smuggling operation was highly sophisticated. The syndicate carry out very sophisticated uh, counter-surveillance activity on our officers. They employ several speedboats to patrol in the western waters. And they also send some syndicate members to check the area surrounding the loading pond in North Ausan. And finally, they even use the drums to assist in their counter-surveillance activities. So we need to adjust our enforcement strategies constantly in order to circumvent their activity. The Professional Teachers Union has appealed to RTHK to reinstate programmes it's deleted from the internet, saying the purge has affected teaching. It said 85% of more than 588 teachers surveyed use the programmes as teaching aids. RTHK deletes content from its website after a year, and last month it announced it would do the same with its content on YouTube. 
critics accused RTHK of trying to delete history by removing controversial political programmes that some people had said were biased. The union's vice chairman, Ip Kin Yuen, said teachers held RTHK's programmes in high regard. You cannot say that RTHK is most biased than other programmes produced by other channels or other producers uh, might also contain bias. So teachers have to make their judgment and, and make use of the programmes wisely. And I think you will find that teachers actually have high regard on RTHK's programs and they find them have a good reputation and reliable programs, not only the teachers and also the parents. In financial news, a short time ago the Hang Seng Index stood at 28.839. That's a 98-point increase on the previous close. And that's the news from RGHK.
Freyers on RTHK Radio 3 and the song is Cool Like Me. You're listening to The 123 Show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Thursday afternoon. And I'm really excited to welcome back on the program, Sadia Osmani. Sadia, it's great to see you today. How are you doing? Good to see you. I'm very well, thank you. Um, I'm, As you know, I'm in the UK still, and uh, the weather is improving. Things are getting nice, so... What can I say? And I I (laughs) have to say, thank goodness for technology. I mean, I say I see you and it is via Zoom that I can see you. And our listeners can also see us this afternoon uh, by going to our Facebook page, Noreen Mir on RTHK Radio 3. They'll be able to see the lovely Sadia for this week's Chinwag. You've got a great topic today. Well, you've got great topics every week, but you've got something (laughs) quite interesting. And and perhaps some of our listeners should be enlightened. Yeah, well, I thought, you know, what I do is every week I kind of flick through and find out if there's something that's of interest. It might be linked to something I'm doing. And I think quite a few people recently have been, you know, because here in the UK and in in other places, obviously people because of the pandemic have been in house they've not been able to go out and loads of people I've heard so many people say oh I put on weight and I and I'm you know I need to exercise COVID-19 kilos oh my goodness and you know how many people say that so I picked up an article which was quite interesting from the Guardian which is by you know a guy called Daniel Lieberman who's a Harvard professor and his area is evolutionary anthropological he looks at things from an evolutionary anthropological perspective and um, he's kind of discussed in this article about 10 unhelpful sort of myths about exercise and I found this really interesting because actually when we're chatting and stuff some of these things come up and it's kind of almost like it's an accepted thing we oh yeah we don't do it because of this or whatever so I thought I would go through some of those myths which are quite interesting so you know number one um, this whole thing about that norm you know it's normal to exercise how many people just we as humans do we just think oh it's okay you know this is all part of us we need to go out we need to exercise we need to do this it comes naturally to us but if you actually look back at our ancestors and the amount of exercise that they did then you know basically they did the exercise it was for food and survival you know it wasn't because they thought hey you know i've got to burn these calories off they also lived a lot they also lived a lot shorter than us I suppose yeah. maybe because yeah, they didn't absolutely. exercise well could be partly due to that maybe a, a kind of high red meat diet might have had yeah, something maybe. to do with it but but supposedly you know it's not a normal thing for us to exercise and in order to exercise we need to or you know there has to be some goal at the end of it so for instance for ancestors it was about getting you know hunting and getting food to survive but for us there has to be other rewards like what other rewards so for instance you might get satisfaction when you're exercising if you're dancing or you're playing a game or you know training things like that so there has to be some form of sort of reward to it so the second thing that you know the myth that he's trying to talk is about avoiding exertion like is it normal that if you avoid exertion does that mean that you're just lazy 
and you can't be asked to do exercise <laughs> because like, if you had a choice, if you had a choice between using the stairs or going on an escalator, what would we kind of tend to opt for? Tend to opt for the escalators, but don't you feel better opting for the stairs? Yeah, yeah you might be breathless, but um, <laughs> better. And, oh, and that I'm is looking at again, my pedometer the, right now. I've only done two. Oh, right. There you go. It's 2,300 so steps. That, that's nothing. That's that just actually, in the morning or what? Well, since this morning. Since this morning till now, and I got up at six. That's terrible. Should you have done to actually be. Sort of it would be good, good if I about five thousand would be good ideally, like half the day. But c'est la vie. Some days more than others. <laughs> but if I'd taken the stairs rather than the, than the escalators, perhaps that would have gone up. That would have gone up. Yeah. But supposedly, you know, based on his, you know, this article, he's basically saying that actually, you know, again, as humans, as you know, with our ancestors and stuff, we're not really we are going to avoid that exercise because it's built into our system because in the past i suppose you know if you were going to go out hunting and you weren't going to get enough food you had to keep your calories count limited and you had to keep you know reserves so that you didn't use it all up because then you'd run out of it so maybe that natural instinct is still with us that we're not going to we're going to choose the escalator anyway because mm. we're not going to burn calories too many calories through that um and then there's this thing about sitting like so many people say well you know i've been sitting on sitting all day long and it's really i just too tired i can't do anything else um and they say that you know sitting is the new smoking that it should be avoided but you should, i um, heard that you should be getting up every 45 minutes yeah, from your desk and yeah. stretching your legs which is actually a good so do thing you? i mean in an office, office environment they do encourage you yeah. to although you you get too busy and you're just sitting there constantly yeah. I, in an um, office and then you don't I, I do get up every sort of every half an hour but then again i i can't sit still so yeah i i am i'm the same actually even if you sat me down i think i would still have to get up even if but i'm popping really, to the toilet it, or to the water cooler and that's what the colleagues you know run down here for some editing or book the studio but which, well then when you're broadcasting for say three uh, hours or something I know. then you're sitting pretty uh, still aren't you but then right you fidget that. around a lot too don't you i'm just gonna stand up now yes <laughs> <laughs> there you go you're already you're already doing it so that's good so but they're saying that really you know the, the hunter gatherers they should just doing some exercise that's good <laughs> hunter gatherers actually spent about 10 hours like sitting or you know waiting and and sitting so they weren't active all the time so you know and they say that people who are sitting you know who sit actively as you say by you know every 10 15 minutes you're moving you're doing something then that's good for you because that just kind of wakes up the metabolism mm. and then you can enjoy a kind of much more longer term in terms of being active like that I know you know sometimes my husband constantly when he's sitting he's always his his knee is shaking and he keeps saying to me and and it you know sometimes I say, oh stop doing that and they said no it's good for you just to keep active that you know get you get your knees moving and stuff like oh, that that, that bothers me too when Andy does that I'm like stop shaking your leg it's so rude yeah, but yeah, it's but, like but it is actually burns it does burn a few calories so who knows <laughs> that piece of chocolate that you've had maybe part of it by shaking your knee might have helped so does eating <laughs> ice apparently and, oh, I, and I don't mean the right. drug ice. I mean like actual ice cubes. <laughs> so just oh, um, that's maybe because the Mariah it takes, Carey. It takes more. Uh, Mariah Carey does energy. That. It takes to energy warm your to warm your body up. Absolutely. Yeah.
<laughs> like when you're walking in the cold as well, your body is actually using its heating system and that's burning calories and things like that. Okay, so another myth is that our ancestors were actually hardworking, strong and fast. And there's no, uh, you know, if we look at back at the cavemen and stuff, you might kind of have these images of them and think, wow, you know, they were so strong, they're going out hunting. But actually that isn't the case. They weren't necessarily stronger or faster than us. Um, you know, they were just doing what they had to do in the limited time that they had. And they tried to good. I'm glad you're doing some exercise, Noreen, as I speak. Um, the All other thing is... about exercise making me feel guilty that I was sitting I there know, for the first I know. one hour of the show. I was just sitting on my bum. You know, well, that's good. If you do a little bit of exercise like that, that's all right. Um, the other thing is, is that people are always saying about, you know, not being able to lose weight if you're walking. Um, that's a myth. Now, you can. Yeah. Yeah, you can, absolutely. But there is this also, there is this myth too that perhaps if you are kind of walking and if you're doing a lot of exercise, you're going to lose weight. But they say that you do lose more weight through diet yes. than exercise. Yes. Um, that it's really hand in hand with both things, isn't it? But diet plays a great part. So you could be walking and eating a cheeseburger every so often while you're doing it. Yeah. So to really balance that diet up. Another but, school of thought is that cardio exercise, like walking or swimming um, and all those, you can't really lose weight with those with cardio exercise. So a lot of people say, oh, I'm just going to go for a run, run on the treadmill to lose weight. Yeah. Um, the, the new school of thought is you can't really lose weight doing that. Um, and one should be lifting weights, which is why weight training is so big right now, because um, mm. you're building muscles and then the muscles act as the engine to burn the fat and burn the energy and that's how you lose weight um, so the thing is that that's why for, weights are so popular I find it difficult days. with weights I find like light you know, weights I've, or I, yeah I've got quite kind of big arms and I'm very embarrassed by my arms <laughs> so I just no. feel like the more weight you lift, but then if you don't do that, then you get these fluffy, floppy arms and things like that. Yeah. So it's, I suppose it's just this whole thing of balance, isn't it? It's trying to do it in a, in a balanced way that you get a little bit of this and a little bit of that. But, you know, you can, you know, it's all depend, dependent on when you die. And, and then there's no sort of optimum amount of, exercise that you can do in any one day because you know sometimes obviously I was looking at you know what the WHO recommend and they basically say that you you know they recommend like 150 minutes of moderate exercise a week right or 75 a week of vigorous exercise for adults but there isn't any I mean how do you come up with that sort of figure it's it's just probably just looking at what you could possibly do which might be good for you but a lot of it really does depend upon your individual age, your fitness, whether you've had any injuries. And how busy background. you are with your life, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know whether there's any hard and fast rule about that, that, that you have to do a certain amount every day or anything like that. The other thing that I've heard lots of people, and I was very concerned about too, is like, things like jogging like you know there is a myth that they they say that if you're going to be jogging and running and things like that that it's not going to be good for your knees mm. um but i think you know that perhaps a lot of people don't actually mm. think about their feet mm. i know i did a lot of walking up a hill and, and climbing and things like that and walk and i think one of the most important things is is, is about foot care i don't think enough is done in our 
you know, just general awareness that you have to look after your feet if you're going to do some of these things because your knees are in a different place. And generally they're saying that, you know, the most common knee injuries or, you know, happen with runners. That, that is a common thing that happens. But actually, you know, you can, you know, it is better for your knees to have activity and to be walking and exercising and things like that compared to not doing that. Mm. That, you know, runners actually don't are less likely to have osteoarthritis because they've been doing that exercise. But personally, my mm. kind of input in it is that feet care, and, and I'm, uh, you know, one of the people, because I've had an operation on my feet, that things like if you are prone to stuff like Brunyan's, which is hereditary, then be careful because then if you are going to overdo the exercise and you're going to use you know put more pressure on your feet that might get worse than it should uh, you know if you were a bit more careful and also the right footwear I don't mm. think enough is said about having the right footwear for that jogging or for whatever you're going to do so it's worth it I mean do you do you do any jogging at all no I'm not, I'm not a runner no I don't I don't I really yeah. enjoy it. I, I, I used to you know as a child and in my teenage years but then I don't know maybe I just grew lazy and I just yeah I don't but people say like you know it's meant to Which help you melt to the get stress lazy about it. <laughs> to, <laughs> to melt your stress away but I find it more stressful when I'm running because it's so hot and humid in Hong Kong but I have friends yeah, who yeah. I think it's hard it. to run yeah. yeah, I I do think that you probably see a huge difference. You do run, um, that is, you know, probably and you it's burn addictive. those calories. Exactly. Yeah, you do burn those calories, but I think it's Agreed. just you've got to be careful, of make sure that you're doing it, like you know, because it's, it's like there's a lot of impact on your feet when you're running. The kind of shock mm. absorbers they're taking it all in, but you know, I think you just need to be quite sensible about it when you're doing it. Um, the other kind of myth that we had was it's, you know, where people say, oh, you know, just do the exercise, it works, just go ahead and do it. But it's actually not as easy as that. You have to have some sort of a reward at the end of it. Um, and I think one of the things that really get people into gyms or get people doing exercise is if there's some social activity. I mean, you know, if you're going with a bunch of mates or you're joining a group, a dance group or something mm. like that, it is so much easier if you're doing it with people compared to going by yourself because you'd never, or if you join, even like things like slimming clubs and this and that, it's only when you join it and there's a group activity that you will have some incentive to there's do like something. There's a sense of community and there's accountability. And also competition, yeah. yeah. And a bit of competition, I think. <laughs> you know, you see people there and then you think, oh, right, I'll do that too type thing. So, I don't know. I mean, frankly, I don't – I hate going to gyms. I, I don't really like gyms very much. But, um, but you know, maybe the social aspect might be all right. Um, and there's also this thing about, like, you know, exercise is not a magic bullet. That sometimes people think, oh, if I do this exercise, then I'm not going to get unhealthy. I'm not going to get these illnesses. And I'm going to stay fit both mentally and physically. And to a certain extent, absolutely, yeah. that is exercise true. Exercise is need exercise in a way. It's good for you. But you can't, but there's no guarantee. No. There's no no hard and fast guarantee that, look, if you do this amount of exercise each day, then you will, without doubt, 
be much healthier and you will because you don't know i mean your whole everyone's body is different and everyone's you know the amount of exercise they can take and stuff so there's no great kind of magic bullet about it so you have to keep that in mind it's interesting because on the subject i was also i saw another article too which i think you might find interesting and i thought hey this is good this is my option i can understand this one and obviously now keeping in mind that in hong kong you've got to remember that lots of people may not have bathtubs and things like that they may just have showers but there was some research that was done recently by the university of coventry here in the uk and you've got to remember that you know like hot baths hot baths have been around you know for ages like you know four thousand years ago the ancient egyptians were soaking themselves in these hot baths and stuff and so this research is basically saying that it you know a, a hot bath is almost equivalent to like you know some aerobic activity what the benefits that it has on your body which i thought hey yeah i could i can identify <laughs> with that one and um so they're saying it that raises if you're, your heart levels your yeah, heart rate yeah so if you're immersed in sort of piping hot water um and it's like about 40 degrees and you're covered up to the shoulder you stay in there for about an hour <laughs> And then they're saying, and other heat therapies like, say, the sauna, sauna and the steam room and stuff where you're getting heat, right? They say you can actually raise the sort of temperature in your body, which improves blood flow and blood and decreases blood pressure and can control um, blood sugar yeah. <laughs> and reduce inflammation. So there you go. So, I mean, you know. But an hour seems like a really long time. And, and not to mention well, the, the sort of things it does to the enzymes in our body. Remember, in biology, we learned that the optimal temperature for the enzymes to work is 37.7, whatever body temperature is. If you raise it too much, yeah, if it raises it too much, then the enzymes denature. And I don't know, that might not be You so do good. feel a bit dizzy. And there is this thing, too, that, you know, watch it, that if you are going to have a hot bath. I mean, is this, uh, do you, you have a hot bath? Do you, Occasionally. you enjoy a hot bath? Yeah, the girls do. Much water as well. Kids do, yeah. but we don't have it very hot for them. It's more like a yeah, cold bath. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's quite yeah. relaxing. But it's quite relaxing, and I suppose an hour an hour is the long time you come back with webbed feet and things like that. But but I think like if you're doing like 40, 30, 40 minutes, you can actually if you put some nice. I did this recently, and I put some nice music on, and I put some candles then just soaked in the bathtub and then I had my phone close by, you know, keeping it a distance so it doesn't fall in or anything like that. But just to be able to relax or read a book and stuff. It's, oh, it sounds nice. all very romantic, frankly. Yeah. Did you to light a few you're candles? To... Yeah, I did, actually. Yeah. Um, Glass of wine? Book. <laughs> no, maybe. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I didn't have any drinks. Just, I think you have to keep yourself hydrated. But I mean, it all looks very lovely when you think you get a book. But frankly, if, you, if you've if got water around you and, and foam and things like that, it's not the easiest thing to read a book, frankly. And then you turn a page and then you wet all Soggy. the page. <laughs> so, so, I mean, those are some of the tips for you. You know, generally, I would say that, you know, people, I just thought the article was interesting. And I would say that, yeah, you know, we should all try and exercise and do some form of exercise. There's an interesting um, exercise I do every so often, like 15 minutes. And what they do in that, because you were talking about cardiovascular, well, they um, they make you do like certain exercises. This is kind of 50 plus, so, sorry, like, you know, but they make you do all these exercises oh, yeah, and things it. like that. And then... 
you do it for about like 30 seconds 30 35 seconds and then you suddenly have to like put yourself i'm sitting on a chair for instance i do this chair once right you put your one foot forward and then the other foot back and then you lean then you go like that and you jog really fast and you do that for about 10 seconds fast and then you stop and then you carry on your other exercises and they say that this kind of vigorous exercise uh, really concentrated for about 10 15 seconds that's really good because it gets your heart pumping and and it's actually very Sadia, good and yeah, there's no point telling us about it show us why, why don't you show us well, for, for our listeners why don't you guys <laughs> hop onto facebook noreen Mir on rthk radio 3 show and not tell so how do you do it I'll, so, I'll cop- so for instance if you were doing a certain type of exercise you might go like this for about 30 seconds and oh, you like keep that going yeah. for 30 seconds once you've done your 30 seconds then you're supposed to position yourself in your chair yeah. and you're supposed to like go like this and start like jogging running like vigorously ru- okay, yeah so like I'm you're running chair, like i'm running you're sitting on a chair and that's right that's yeah. what you're doing and then you're just running vigorously and you do that for about another 30 seconds 10 seconds but that activity on like see i'm hot and sweaty yeah, already me too <laughs> sadia when you run that, do you do you keep your hands open or do you clench it in a fist i don't run I don't run. Yeah, but if you were, <laughs> but, if but you were, in this thing, yeah. if I was doing when I do my exercises, yeah, I probably keep my hands straight. Yeah, straight. I, I probably do this so while when I'm I doing. When I run, you know, I, I clench just, my fists. But yeah, I, I oh, just that I doesn't just, matter. I'm sure it doesn't which matter. Which is more streamlined. Yeah. And then obviously, and then the other exercise they're saying is really good for you. Have we? Are you okay for time? Um, is this uh, other thing seconds. as if you're as if you're boxing, like you're oh. constantly like boxing and then like an instead underarm. of doing that vigorous exercise yeah. then you just box really hard but be careful not to punch yourself in the face yeah. because it's possible so you do that boxing so it's like underarm or you go wow. like that wow sadia i had no idea you were a boxer should i call you rocky no amazing <laughs> only when i'm angry mate <laughs> right. well sadia thank you so much for your sharing uh, today really enjoyed exercise um, uh, um exercise myths uh, dispelled a lot of myths for us this afternoon and I look forward to more uh, chinwags with you next week. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay, Bye for now. See you, see you Sadia. And a quick look at the weather forecast for this afternoon and tonight. Mainly cloudy, sunny intervals and a few showers. The outlook there will be a few showers tomorrow and it's 32 degrees Celsius and the relative humidity 60, uh, 67%. It's 2.30, the news update with Anne-Marie Evans. Hotel operators have been urged to take measures to improve trade instead of pressuring staff to get vaccinated against COVID-19. This comes after the Peninsula Hotel in Chimsa Choi warned of possible layoffs of 70% of staff who aren't vaccinated by the, uh, by the end of the month. Hong Kong Airlines says it will operate just eight aircraft focusing on cargo for at least the next year as it confirms a major restructure that will see an undisclosed number of redundancies. Customs officers say they've seized goods worth $120 million in what they say is the biggest ever bust of a speedboat uh, smuggling operation. Goods including luxury bags and parts from endangered animals were being loaded onto a boat near Laofaoshan last week when customs took action. The news from RTHK. No matter how fit we are, it is important to get vaccinated to prevent COVID-19. All along, we have received different vaccines to prevent infections. Vaccines will help create antibodies and memory in our immune system. When we come into contact with viruses in future, our immune system will quickly resist them. 
It is the simplest and most effective method to protect ourselves and others. Let's get vaccinated. The symptoms of COVID-19 can be mild. Don't go to work or school if feeling unwell. Wear a mask and consult a doctor promptly. Ask doctors at accident and emergency departments, general outpatient clinics, private hospitals or clinics for free testing provided by the Department of Health. Return the specimen to a designated collection point or use the door-to-door -door specimen collection service for a fee. Test promptly for early detection.
Monarchy on RTHK Radio 3 with Maybe I'm Crazy. Time is now at 2.35. You're listening to The 123 Show with me, Noreen Meir, on this Thursday afternoon. And it's time for this week's Art Sing Around. And I'd like to welcome back on the program, Andrew Dambina. Great to speak to you today, Anders. How are you doing? Good, thanks. Good. Great to speak to you too, Noreen. How are you? Yes, I'm good, thank you. I I just thought I'd very quickly uh, mention a a big happy birthday to your brother uh, from another mother, Anders Nelson. (laughs) That's right. Anders Nelson. Happy birthday, Anders, yeah. Um, 75 years young today. Amazing. That's three quarters of a century, if you like. Yeah, that's a milestone. Exactly. Congrats. Happy birthday, Happy Mr. birthday. Nelson. Right. So, Anders, what have you got for us today? Well, this is Anders Dembina okay. today. Yeah, a mix of international and local. See if we can get through them all. I'll start with international. Um, uh, we've, you know, we've been speaking about arts for some time, Noreen, and uh, when it comes to fine art, some contemporary art, like the real the stuff that's going on now, can be hard to relate to or to get one's head around, Noreen. I'm sure you'll agree. Like Picasso? Well, that's, I mean, I mean, that goes back even further, but some of even the more modern stuff that's going on now, concepts, when you get concepts that, that you have to understand, they can be challenging, you know, if there's something weird in a gallery that needs lots of explanation, that can be challenging sometimes. And also, yes. we've talked about even some of the technology recently, like NFTs, for example, newish digital formats, that is, for those Non-fungible tokens it. that artists are hey, using you know, as the yeah. currency, which is great because, yeah. Okay, yeah, go, go, sorry, go on, Anders. Yeah, well, so allow me to run this one by you, Noreen, and the listener. Um, here's a concept that happened a week ago. Last week, it was reported across international media that an Italian artist sold an invisible sculpture. For, it, it was reported in press in all sorts of countries, but in, in one article in the UK, I looked across prices, they're all the same. The sculpture was sold for £13,000. That is the equivalent of 142000 Hong Kong dollars in today's exchange. And it was given to uh, a buyer who got an, a certificate of authenticity to prove that it was genuine. Uh, let me just say again that was for an invisible sculpture yeah so um let's try and get our heads around this yeah uh, please enlighten me (laughs) i'll give you a few more deets on this then so the sculptor in question is the 67 year old salvatore garu who's born in sardinia in italy uh he's got a track record for uh, conceptual art I'll, i'll give a few examples in a moment but he sold the artwork in question, which is called I Am, that's the title, to an unidentified buyer who you couldn't be, who didn't want to be named at the beginning of this month. So, the sculpture, it is described by the artist as being air and spirit. And the sculpture is intended to be displayed in a five by five foot square space. That's approximately one and a half times one and a half meters in a private space without artificial lighting or air conditioning. This is all recommended by the artist, right? The 67-year-old artist describes the piece as a vacuum, saying a vacuum is nothing more than a space 
full of energy. You, are you with me so far, Noreen? Oh, this just... Oh, I don't know, Andrew. I just... I don't want the listeners to think let, let carry on. I'm close-minded, but he's just... No, oh, no. Okay, give, it, give it a chance, okay, Noreen. Yep, let, yep. Me get, let me tell you more. So, um, the artist, uh, Garu, he elaborated further then, and he said, um, uh, to art and lifestyle website Hypebeast, that's one of the many articles about yeah. this, that um, even if we empty it, uh, that that's the area that the invisible sculpture is in, there is nothing left. According, this is what the artist said, according to the Heisenberg uncertainty, uncertainty principle, that nothing has a weight. Um, it therefore has energy that is condensed and transformed into particles, and that is also equivalent to being us. You're getting all that, Noreen. Andrew, are and, you, are you and, hearing and, 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 and what listen, you're reading? This is, oh, I don't I I can't even say that I word. Know. How is that odd? It's yeah. like, here's an invisible sculpture, but you can't see it, but I will yeah. sell it to you for yeah. over 100,000 Hong Kong dollars. It's just bizarre. It's taking, it, it is bizarre, to say the least, isn't it? So, <laughs> Italian auction house called Artright, which organised the sale of sculpture, has had declined to uh, give the name of the buyer, um, but um, but it but it's all genuine. It's a real story. And um, just to have a quick check on the artist's former works to try and put it into context with his other works. Um, the last work of his was called. Um, it was an, it was another. It was the first invisible sculpture that he did, um, which was called Buddha in Contemplation, and uh, the format of this was a taped off. Square, so um, on top of a cobbled stone piazza, like a you know a piazza like a square in Milan, in Italy, um, and the art uh, the uh, yeah so that was another one that he sold and it was a uh, it was taped off like with white tape in a piazza in Milan and he sold that as well. Um, it's like but, if I get a jar, a jam jar, and then I take yeah. off the label and then I go outside mm-hmm. and then I just put it. And I put some sunshine in it on the day 10th of June, and then I sell it. Yeah. You know, it's a captured time and space. You know space what? I think, I, think, I think you're onto something, Noreen. <laughs> you know, you could do that, and then on a rainy day or a cloudy day, you could do in like a jar the whole of sunshine. kind of different, different, different types. Of, you could capture different types of weather formation in Hong Kong with its particles. Yeah, I think you're onto something, man. Get your labels, get your labels, snazzily written. And into a gallery it goes. Um, the, the, the other works then that this guy really briefly did, he did an abstract painting that was 198 metres long on a piece of tarpaulin, that's kind of like waterproof material, that was hung across scaffolding around a church in Milan. And the last one I'll tell you about was an interesting one. In 2006, he produced a work that placed large ponds on the floors of three churches that he filled with fish from nearby lakes. So all of these are highly what we call conceptual pieces. Um, but the invisible one, that uh, we don't know if it went to an, uh, an Italian or uh, international buyer because the auction house won't say. But as I say, that, uh, that <laughs> invisible sculpture of one and a half times one and a half metres fetched 142,000 Hong Kong Ds. Pretty amazing, yeah? Oh, so that's, we're, we're starting off with that today. Yes. Um, uh, that, that's our first international story. Uh, secondly, in a very different vein, I want to say this is how you create an excitement in the art world, well, the local art world, to where this happens, and hopefully beyond that. The Whitechapel Gallery in the UK capital 
just announced on Tuesday that 46 artists have been selected for the London Open 2022 exhibition, which will bring together a, uh, a varied range of contemporary art being made in the capital today, and uh, so in London. The selected artists um, are lucky to be, well, they're not lucky, but they got, they got selected by a, a, a judging panel from 2,600 ap uh, applicants, which were made to the gallery's quite long-standing historical open submission exhibition. So anyone can enter it, whether you're an amateur or professional artist, and, they were, and it, was, uh, it was a serious judging panel uh, from both the Whitechapel Art Gallery, which has a good reputation in London, and also they brought in um, an independent uh, gallerist, someone that owned a gallery, an independent curator, um, and they had they had quite a large uh, judging panel. Um, I'm saying that it brings a lot of uh, excitement to the art world and hopefully beyond. I mean, people who aren't that into fine art might not pay too much attention, but if they're mildly interested, you know, they made sure it got out there and made a big splash. This, this exhibition's been running since 1932, and mm. it's held every three years, and it's kind of among the art world or people who are vaguely interested in art in London, um, or in the UK, actually. Um, it's, uh, it's something to look out for. Now, to me, that's, all, that's a pretty exciting prospect that they announced it. It's going to be... The exhibition will happen next summer, and they're announcing it a year ahead, and it's fantastic for the artists, because not only have they been selected on the basis of works that they've done... Uh, uh, previously, they're only allowed to show works from the past three years because this exhibition is called a triennial, which means every three Tri years. Oh, okay. And yeah, and they're not, and then and they're not allowed to show work from before that. So they were just on works from uh, 2018 up till now. They're not allowed to show any works from before that. Um, but they've got a year, though. They are allowed to um, to to really kind of put their feet on the pedal and make some great art within the next year to add to what has already been judged as, as you know pretty good stuff by by the judging panel so for you know i would love to see such a positive build-up for hong kong artists something like that here working towards a big open show it'll be a really nice positive you know thing to do during all the various things that aren't that positive um that right have been now. going on in the last couple of years mm. yeah so um so I really would, would would love to see an initiative happen. I guess it takes someone or uh, curators to to make that happen, or an institution like the White like the Whitechapel Gallery in London just uh, took it on. But although they've been doing it, they first thought of it in the 1930s. But but it's just a great thing to do. I haven't really heard of such a big one that existing in Hong Kong. There are, there's another one that goes on the summer exhibition in the Royal Academy, which has been doing it also for probably. Um, longer than since 1932, which is, again, open submissions from people from public who are amateur artists to really highly big-name professionals as well. So, you know, it'd be lovely to see something like that here. That was, that was, uh, so I just wanted to mention that it was, um, you know, it's energising to hear about it happening somewhere, but why not do it here? In Hong Kong. So, okay, yes. <laughs> so that's, that's my little uh, kind of shout-out for that, um, should anyone have the initiative to do so. Um, so, um, going, uh, talking of Hong Kong then, we're away from the international stories at the beginning, and uh, let's have a look at what else, what's going on then in Hong Kong. Just a few things. Um, a fantastic exhibition just opened last weekend at the Hong Kong Art Museum uh, on surrealism, and it's called Mythologies, 
Surrealism and Beyond masterpieces from the Centre Pompidou. That's the, the Pompidou Centre in Paris. And it's a collaboration. Um, this, is, this is a great example of uh, forces coming together to show some great art in Hong Kong, although it's not Hong Kong artists in the same way as uh, the open exhibitions I was talking about before. But it is the, LS, the LCSD, the Leisure and Cultural Services Department. It's also still part of the French May uh, Arts Festival uh, that we say sometimes goes well beyond May. And it's a collaboration, of course, with the Museum of Art and the Pompidou Centre in Paris. Uh, it's been largely funded also by the uh, Hong Kong Jockey Club's Charities Trust. I want to mention all those because that's five different entities that have come together oh, to wow. make what to make will this be. Happen. Yeah, what? It, 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 yeah, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be probably the second biggest kind of uh, historically important exhibition this year. The first being the Botticelli one mm. that uh, that we talked about earlier, right at the beginning of the year, yeah. that was going on, and it kept. Opening and closing because of, uh, you know, different uh, waves of COVID, but it, but it did carry on. It got extended in the end, which was good. Fingers crossed everything, that this one will run smoothly without those kind of interruptions. Um, it, so it's about surrealism. Are you familiar with, uh, with, with that movement at all, Noreen? Does that sort mean of, we, yeah, we, we learned a little bit of that in drama, which I suppose is different yeah. from, from, from the art, but I couldn't tell you the artists involved. Okay. Yeah. Right. Well, okay. Yeah. I mean, it did, I think it did um, uh, spill over into performance arts as well as the uh, the kind of gallery-type art. Uh, it bubbled up in the 1930s, and its calling card, really, is dreamlike or fantasy-like imagery, sometimes bizarre, sometimes a bit weird, or even unsettling. It's um, It started, yeah, as I say, in the 1930s, um, and the biggest... Uh, names really would be Salvador Dali, yeah. um, Rene Magritte. Uh, they, I'm, I'm ne- by the way, the ones I'm mentioning are in the exhibition. Giorgio de Chirico, Joan Miro, Max Ernst, Man Ray, who's, who's a fantastic photographer. He does very weird overlay type of images. I used to love uh, his, his work years ago. I still would. Hello, Andrew? Hello? Did you look? Li- yeah. Yeah. Did you li- me? Yeah. Sort of. Oh. Just lost you for a couple of oh. couple of seconds. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Oh, no. Go on. Okay. I was just saying that. Um, yeah. It's, uh, it's, so it's a legend of the surrealist movement. A hundred, around a hundred or so, diverse art pieces from the biggest names in surrealism, and I hope to get a head curator to go into more detail on this exhibition to do an arching around interview feature if I can very soon. It's on now until September the 15th at the Hong Kong Art Museum. Talk about French May things going on beyond May. This one's on until the middle of September. And it's, um, Plenty uh, you know, of time. It. So, yeah. Plenty of time to see it. Find out more at hk.art.museum. And uh, moving on to the performance art sphere from ABA Productions... Um, there's a performance starting tonight. It's on for three nights called um, COVID, the new C word. Oh. So, I don't, yeah, it's a one hour, one woman show exploring the effects of COVID-19 and what it's had on society uh, and the variety uh, of stories that she's going to tell. She's going to tell without opening her mouth to say any word. It's going to be all through the form of physical theatre. So, movement acting without speaking 
one woman and music so that's going to be interesting i think um so according to uh, what the performer and writer herself says and that is emma york who's written it and she's the one woman taking part uh it's all about moments that have happened during the pandemic over the last year and a half and funny moments too she hopes that it will get people both smiling and feeling uh you know the whole gamut of of uh, of, ex- of expressions or sorry feelings like uh you know a bit sad and going from loneliness to euphoria basically mm. so an interesting one there that's on from tonight for three nights only at the Macaulay studio at the Hong Kong Arts Centre in Wan Chai. And the uh, best way to get some information there is actually going to ticketsflap.com uh, because they've got a bit of information there rather than the uh, the APA um, uh, website. Who are, put, who are putting it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, who are putting it on. So lastly, if I've got a couple of moments just to mention the last uh, exhibition that's on, there's a great sculpture exhibition for a debut um, sort of exhibition for an Italian sculptor and his name is Bruno Walpoff and it's the launch exhibition for a new gallery in Happy Valley and it's part of a uh, it's part of a uh, of a studio that has now built a gallery next to itself and it's called Art Rooftop and it's begun it's on already and this exhibition goes on until the 19th of june it's in happy valley um and um you can you can look that up but basically these sculptures they're carved out of wood and they're hand painted sorry i haven't sent you any pictures today noreen i sometimes do that for reference but uh yeah describe it to our listeners yeah these these sculptures look from a distance i've seen the exhibition and if you're about if you're about 10 paces away they look, not scarily, but uncannily like real human forms. But as you get closer, <laughs> some of, yeah, they're, they're, they're all carved from a piece of wood, individual pieces of wood. There's only a few of them there, um, but uh, but it's a really it's a really nice exhibition. It's, it's just in a small gallery, it's well spaced, and hand painted in really gentle pastel colours. You've got uh, male and female figures who are looking really calm, actually, and um, just something different. Should you either want to make your way to Happy Valley or if you're in the vicinity, worth a pop in before the 19th of June. That's Bruno Walpoff at the Arts Rooftop. You can look that up online by Googling those. Walpoff, by the way, is W-A-L-P-O-T-H. Brilliant, Andrew. Something for, yeah. for everyone, really. I'm so glad that, you know, things are slowly opening up. And, and, and I know some events are still virtual, but it's really nice to have the option of going to galleries these days and just going yeah. out and about to, to enjoy things more that more. We, we previously took for granted, perhaps, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, fingers crossed, as I say this, literally, I've got my fingers crossed in front of me now. You know, these things are getting uh, more and more now it, 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 people I think in the last few weeks or even a month are getting more used to uh, performances and art exhibitions being you know being on let's just just hope that no variants 
Um, to spread quickly, more people, if possible, can get vaccinated, would be nice, because it's just, just anything to get back to a bit of normality in the arts, I'd say. Exactly, because, you know, I've, I've been to virtual events, and it's nice, you know, you, you get to sort of sit in the comfort of your own home or, or, or mm. office or whatever and join in, but it's, you know, nothing be- beats that feeling of actually stepping into a gallery and looking at pieces and looking at the colours of, of, of artwork in, in real I, life. I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. You cannot, especially with sculpture, you know, you need to walk around it in its totality. If it is a real yeah, sculpture, not, not, not a, Yeah, not, not an invisible a, sculpture. <laughs> uh, well, then you would feel the vacuum, wouldn't you? You'd feel that you're part of it, remember? Remember all those bits of detail? Uh, for a mere 142,000, you know, one and a half square metres, if you've got a spare one and a half square metres, too late. It's been sold already last week. <laughs> well, Andrew, yeah. thank you so much for, for, for joining us this afternoon. And I look forward uh, to more chats with you uh, next week. I hope you have a, have a great weekend ahead. And uh, we'll stay tuned for you uh, this Saturday. Uh, for our listeners who want to tune into your show, you'll be back on the airwaves on Saturday. So thank you so much Indeed. for your time. <laughs> Take care, Andrew. Thanks, Maureen. Bye for Thanks. now. Bye. Have a good afternoon.